Welcome to the Power Up Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Scullion. Join me for some powerful conversations with members of the Substation Design Solutions Industry Consortium, the SDSIC. I'll chat with members about the consortium, innovations, how they're implementing different technologies, even some of the projects they're working on to address the growing needs of our power grid. Joining me today is Michael Bruce, co-founder and implementation consultant at 3D Transition Services. Michael and his team are long-standing members of the STSIC, and the work they do, turning LiDAR scans into 3D models and model-based design into augmented reality, they've been pushing the limits of 3D technology now for almost two decades. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Michael. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, so as you know, the, uh, this podcast was an idea to kind of introduce a lot of the different members, right? So the SDSIC now is 1,768 members this morning. So the phenomenal growth over the years and uh, really wanted to get to know different members and give folks a chance just to kind of have something to listen to and easily go through and get to know folks. So why don't we start a little bit about your background? Okay. Uh, I got to thinking about that. Uh, the last couple of days as I found out we were going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 40-something years ago. <laughs> so uh, I actually started out in a machine shop. Um, I was not very wealthy when I was young. I was my wife, my, my, my uh, mom, single parent. We didn't have a lot of money. Back then you had to pay to go to school. So... Mm-hmm really have a chance to start I started college but it didn't really last very long and I actually started working in the um, drilling industry uh, working for downhole tool manufacturer at the okay. time Drillco <clears throat> and uh, I went to their machine shop and learned how to run lays and mills and on big huge I mean, these these are machines that make drill collars which are you know thousands of pounds heavy to for drilling wells oil and gas wells and so um, I started there, really, and went through the company. I worked in their um, different management programs. I was partly in sales for them, which was kind oh, of wow. interesting. And a young person like that, they, I used to spend time <laughs> in the North Sea um, early on in my career. And um, after that, stayed in the same business, but then went to another company, one of the huge tool companies that did work above the rig floor, <clears throat> got into really more of a engineering role, even though I wasn't technically an engineer, it was, I helped to design top uh, side pipe handling systems. And a lot of it was retrofit work. So we'd take an existing drill ship or semi-submersible mm. and we would um, design this hydraulic system that was remotely uh, operated from consoles. You know, the drilling industry Traditionally, in handling pipe is always done with people on the derrick, people on the floor, lots of danger. But mm-hmm. in the North Sea, <clears throat> um, when you have a floating, or in the Beaufort Sea, even in Canada, when you have a floating uh, drilling uh, vessel, mm-hmm. it's hard to do those kinds of things. So the company developed these remote operating systems. They weren't really remote. They were more joystick like a crane. Okay. Uh, it was automated and it was modular. So very early on in my career, I started working in modular type uh, okay. businesses. And then 
I got some experience um, with some interesting companies. Uh, I worked for a brief time before the oil industry went out in 85 uh, with a robot uh, application company and wow. was introduced to the Mikado um, robotic system, automation system at McDonnell Douglas that at the time was run by a, a VAX 11780. I think it was 11780. <laughs> Nice. And which was a room <laughs> <laughs> yeah. next door to the little <laughs> computer screen we had with the robot in it showing how it was operating. It was actually quite phenomenal. It was one of the best things. I guess yeah. it really kind of drove me to looking at automation in my life. You know, that was my yeah. experience with it. And it was unique. It was very rare. Uh, McDonnell Douglas Automation, you know, at the time was sort of you know, bridging these these gaps for where the aircraft industry went eventually, mm -hmm. uh, more sophisticated software like Inventor or, or you know, SolidWorks and, and Katia. But anyway, it was great for me. Uh, the only yeah. problem is that, you know, the oil business really, um, it went under in 85. And I uh, was one of a lot of people who moved away from the Houston area. <clears throat> I had a friend who worked for a company called Hilti, and he moved to Detroit. Mm. Uh, told me to come up there so there was lots of work and so I went to work for some steel fabricators and uh, even for a short time had my own business my mom passed in 1991 I think it was moved back to Houston and things had changed a lot you know there wasn't the oil business the way it used to be mm. uh, construction was kind of so-so and I didn't really know what I wanted to do so for a while, just to make some money, I decided to sell cars. And uh, wow, <laughs> I got introduced to um, a person at one of the BMW stores there, and they asked if I wanted to work there. And I said, "Yeah, I guess." <laughs> yeah, it's got to be easier do. than got to be easier yeah. than selling to guys in the North Sea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so I made so much money doing that <clears throat> that it really was hard to even though I kept wanting to go back into the construction business and, and everything that goes along with it, oil and gas and everything, the money was just too good. I couldn't pass it up. So I ended up spending 17 years selling BMWs, which wow. is interesting. But yeah. it, at, on my desk in my office, I had oil and gas magazine, ENR. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like the guy who was really just doing this work, uh, you know, selling cars, but really didn't love selling cars as much as <laughs> technology and building and construction and all that. So anyway. Wow, that's awesome. So I, I um, we we moved to Louisiana. We were in for actually in Florida. I, I was selling BMWs for the most part. I moved from Houston to Florida and uh, it, it was great. I loved it for 10 years, but we moved to Louisiana and then um that's when I worked for the local dealer, but unless you, I mean, it's a very small dealership. They sold Mercedes and BMW, unless you knew something about, if you knew every doctor and every lawyer, then then you had a customer. If you didn't, you had to go find them. So <laughs> it wasn't the easiest thing to do. Yeah, and, for sure. Um, I, one, of my, one of my wife's cousins worked at uh, Distran Packet Substations and said, hey, you know, we're hiring people. And you have a construction background, maybe maybe you'd like to work over there. So I went over there, and they hired me uh, to do steel detailing, which okay. I actually a lot. <clears throat> and um, 
I didn't know a lot about AutoCAD though. That was the big challenge because when I did steel detailing, it was with a pencil and, you know, electric racer and all that. <laughs> so I had a challenge. It, I guess it was what, 40, 46 or so. And, um, but I picked up AutoCAD pretty well. And um, that's really how I got into the high voltage uh, substation business. And I've really been doing it ever since this, this was in uh, like 2008 or so is when I went to wow. work with them. So it's been, been quite a while I've been in, in the high voltage business. Wow. And that's, that's when I first met you was Distrian and you were, yes. I, I still remember it actually from, you know, all the customers we visit over the years, right? I went in there, you showed me an animation and I think at the time it was uh, Joey Baker that was in yep. the Distran doing the package stations and everything. Joey said, you got to come see this guy. And, he, and we went in yep. and you were in the back room, you showed an animation of the whole station, kind of the, I think the yep. package station being put together on a 3d animation. And it was, right phenomenal and that's yeah, yeah that'd be like 2013 maybe 12 i don't know yeah 2013 something like that well what happened was um we did all of our we, we were steel detailing was done in autocad right arcs lines and circles um and we we always had issues you know it, it took you twice as long to check the drawing as it took you to make it and <laughs> You know, Joey was always coming in saying, I don't want to count bolts. We have thousands of bolts, you know, <laughs> right. packager, we supply everything, including bolts, hardware, um, switches, steel, the whole work. So uh, he says, I'm tired of counting bolts. That's what I always hear. That's the thing that rem I, uh, reminds me of Joey. But anyway, yeah. Um, so one day we got uh, 2009, I think it was, that AutoCAD came out with 3D. And one of our customers, uh, Con Ed, <clears throat> happened to do some very complex switch stands. Hmm. And what was complex about it was the way they ran grounding on their structures. So what they did is they took a, uh, I think it's inch and a half wide aluminum bar, and they would bolt it to the structures and it would be bolted to itself. And it goes around corners, up and down and all around. Oy. Try to do something in 2D like that. <laughs> You know, you had to do a side view, a top view, and then another side view. Mm -hmm. um, and then you had to figure out, you know, okay, it's going around this corner. I mean, for this little aluminum bar, we would spend hours trying to figure out how to put it on a drawing so that yeah. we build them and prefabricate them in the shop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when, when 2009 came out, I started learning about extrusions and yeah. subtracting. And so... That's when we started realizing how important 3D would be to us, especially in the steel fabrication area. And um, one day I did that structure in 3D and Joey came in and looked at it and he just said, man, he said, we got to find a better way to do this because it was time consuming. It was not easy to do. Mm. And so there was a meeting with our local rep uh von Kloss. i don't know if you know von or not um, oh yeah i do yeah, he worked i think he still works at distran and a great guy he had a um he was a reseller in lafayette at the yeah. time and um he was our reseller for our products and so he came up and gave a presentation on um inventor and advanced steel which i think at the time was gray tech yep and um i think everybody's jaws you know dropped to the floor when they saw all this technology <laughs> 
And so they started, you know, I guess I talked about it for a while and they said, you know, this is something we need to do. So they came to us and said, hey, we need some volunteers because we need to, we want to start using this inventor. We, we, we thought we, the decision between Great Tech Inventor was that we wanted to eventually be able to take the equipment and combine it with the structural element. And mm. the Great Tech system really was just steel, right? It was like Tecla or what is now advanced steel. So it didn't really have the easy ability to work together and having equipment, steel, and other right. things uh, all in one model. Mm. So that's where we said, okay, we'll bite the bullet and we'll do the inventor thing. And yeah, when they asked for volunteers, nobody would raise their hand. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, I mean, after they saw it, everybody goes, whoa, you know, this is quite yeah. different. And so I said, okay, you know, I'll volunteer, but, you know, I'm not going to guarantee anything here. And I, at the time, I think I had maybe a year and a half of AutoCAD under my belt. So oh, wow, it was one of those things, but it was probably the easier because I wasn't ingrained so much in the way AutoCAD worked yeah. uh, so that it was more easy for me to sort of look at how it how it operated and, and make the and adapt to it but the biggest problem was and this is you know i think i, I gave a presentation at au in 2015 um about the leap mm -hmm. from 2d to 3d and it i think it's still you can still get the uh, slides it wasn't videoed or anything but the slides are on there and some of the slides uh show you know how how you're really going from something that you're common that you're easily used to every day and you don't even really think about it when you hit a key to something that you have to think about it <laughs> from the beginning of what you're going to do there's mm -hmm. involved all that kind of stuff so it's a it's much more complex but you know now it's it's easy <laughs> for me yeah. uh, mm -hmm. versus when it was then so so it was it was a mind you had to change in the the biggest problem we had, we didn't have a lot of people in our department. And so what happened was we decided we wanted to do inventors. We'd go see Vaughn, go to our classes in Lafayette. Uh, I think we had like a three-day or four-day course. And then we had to come back to the office. And we came back to the office. All this work was sitting in front of us waiting for us to do it. Yeah. So we didn't learn enough to go ahead and do it in inventor. <laughs> yeah. So we had to change hats and go back to AutoCAD. And we spent time on AutoCAD for like two or three days or two or three weeks. And then mm. and then we said, okay, we got to get back to Inventor. Well, we had pretty much forgot, not that it was bad or anything, but we had just forgot a lot of the things that we had learned when we went to learn about Inventor. And of course, Vaughn didn't know anything about our business. So when we went down there to learn about Inventor, we were basically making parts. We weren't really doing assemblies. Right. And in station design, you're basically doing assemblies from parts. You, mm. Even some people may make parts, not enough of them do, in my opinion. But anyway, it's mm. more assembly operation, right? So uh, we were, it was hard. So it took us about, uh, my partner was uh, a guy named Brent Cook. He still works at Distran. Great kid. or He's, he's not a kid anymore. He's got a family. But at the time, <laughs> and he just had graduated from school. He he knew Inventor. He knew nothing about Substation. I mm. knew Substation, nothing about Inventor. So it was a great partnership. And it took us about a year to put together our first Substation. And um, it was okay. phenomenal when we did. Everybody was pretty happy. And 
and that's kind of how it got started at that company. And we, we, we moved it from there. So. Wow. Yeah. That's such a common theme too. You know, we hear that a lot where folks go for training and then you get back to the office and, you know, guess what? The work has to get out the door, right? You got a hundred work orders, a hundred field corrections, and you just go right back into doing the work on, you know, MicroStation, AutoCAD, you know, whatever it was before. And you forget all about Inventor and even the AutoCAD electrical side, right? They'll go back yeah. and, you know, you end up doing the quick work and just editing it in AutoCAD or MicroStation. So yeah, it's a yeah. good, uh, good lesson for the folks listening that are just getting started, right? You really got to be dedicated to the effort after the training. Don't go back to the old way. Yes. And that, that really comes to management. You know, people always ask me, you know, what, what made it successful for you? And it was really one word, well, two words, Joey Baker, because yeah. Joey didn't want to count bolts. <laughs> he wanted them to count. <laughs> and so it was Joey because he was the president of the company and all the people, um, that ran Distran at the time, everybody had to be on board. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. It wasn't one big happy family because there were some people that weren't really happy about it because when you go to a tool like this, it changes not only your department, but it changes every department in the company because its outputs are quite different from what they're used to getting. Mm -hmm. And information that they're getting now is a lot more than what they're used to getting. So from a marketing standpoint, accounting, shipping, yeah. uh, I mean, you name it, it affects every aspect of the company when you change your CAD system or your, you know, your software in it. And people, people in the engineering department, well, we don't think about that. We don't think about what those, those uh, knock-on effects are. So it caused some issues and, yeah. and the people, you know, in the company who were used to, banging the keyboard all day long on AutoCAD. One guy I worked with, love him to death. He, he could take, he, he went through keyboards. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, he went crazy in AutoCAD, but when it came to using Inventor and having to click a mouse that clicked a box that, you know, didn't really have a keyboard element, it was just, it was so difficult for him. He couldn't really do it. And so, you know, there's there's good parts and bad parts about it, and you just have to be ready for them when you're making this transition. Because, you know, from management or from personnel, everybody's involved in some some form or fashion. It's important to make sure they understand what's going on because most people mm -hmm. know what's going on when these things happen. And without them and having some input, at least letting them know what's happening, what to expect, uh, it makes a big difference. Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad you brought that up. And yeah, big shout out to Joey Baker. I've been trying to get him on too, but he's been uh, busy lately. So I'll have to nail him down in a couple of weeks. But yeah, yeah. it's it's so important to have management on your side because I can't tell you how many conversations we've had with design teams where the first thing they want to talk about is making the drawings from Inventor look the way they did in the old system, whatever it was. MicroStation, mm -hmm. 2D AutoCAD, you know, Felix CAD, whatever. <laughs> It it yeah. didn't matter, but they want it to look like that. And they said, that's a terrible way to start the conversation because they're not going to look the same. <laughs> well, and you ask your, so what, what question, why, why are they wanting to do that? Well, the question is, or the answer is that they don't really want people who receive those documents to realize that they're different. Yes. And that they're getting essentially the same thing that they've been looking at for a long time so that it's 
it's not as big a transition for them. But then when you start putting 3D uh, details and 3D assemblies on a drawing and then sending those to the shop or the field, then it gets their attention and, and they're like, wow, this is awesome. You know, can we have some more of this? So getting, yeah. you know, initially you don't want, you don't, you want, and, and, and of course the people that you're dealing with usually are utilities. There's such a big difference mm-hmm. the way utilities use inventor and substation design suite and, and people who build the products and fabricate them and, and manufacture them and ship them to the job site and have to install them. Mm-hmm. That difference in the two, you know, we, people just try and uses the inventor differently than, than, you know, uh, Nashville Electric or whatever, you know, right. that, because they're the architect. The utility is the architect. If you think about it this way, if you take, you think about Revit, for example, of course, maybe people on the broadcast don't know about Revit, but, you know, architects use Revit because it's a design tool for them to, to help them to easily design a building or house or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it isn't beneficial to the people who are going to actually cut the lumber and nail the wood. <laughs> right. So that's why Inventor is so great. Because inventor can do that, right? It's just not used that way in traditionally. And and I always always said, you know, what really should happen in this transition to 3D and the utility industry is the utilities need to detail the or design the substation using the generic structures and everything. And back then we didn't have a lot of content, right? Yeah. Uh, and so we had to design a lot of our content. But it had to be pretty accurate because we're talking about like electricity. <laughs> so we need to know about spacing is very, very important. So our switches had to be pretty close to what they actually are to, to do to design them properly. So anyway, I said they should just you know build the model and then send it to the manufacturers and let the manufacturers take it and then turn it into yeah. shapes. So that was always a big, big problem there. And we always ended up getting, you know, AutoCAD drawings and and then building models from them. And they still do it that way today. I think for the most part, I, I haven't been there in yeah. five years, but, um, you know, that's one of the things that is a little bit of a, a hill to climb. And mm-hmm. uh, so people really do have to uh, look at what their use is of the, of the software and then figure out how they're going to make it uh, becomes a product or, or something that's shipped to their facility for their use. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really great point with Revit. Cause you can tell just with the Autodesk side, the amount of effort they're putting into the correlation between Revit and inventor, right. The integration between the two of them, being able to share yes. files and even in the architectural space, they'll use, you know, they, they yeah. suggest that we use inventor for things like the heating and ventilation yeah. and fans. And then you, <laughs> they, have, they have great ways to publish it to BIM objects and all this cool stuff in Revit, right? So, right. Yeah, they're kind yeah. of taking your methodology. Maybe they saw your AU presentation years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, there's interoperability now with Revit. So, yeah. and and for a really long time, people didn't know this, but you know, if you need a, a circular staircase, or you need some kind of special equipment or something, um, people would reach out to somebody who had an inventor, and they would design it and and then send the model to them, but they would do it usually through like an STL file or something, you know, I just file yeah. some generic file format, and then they would be able to import it. But 
you know, today there's interoperability between the two, so it's less uh, less uh, difficult to do. But it's interesting because, you know, we work in the AEC community as well, and uh, we do unusual, you know, unusual things with it. But, um, you know, they're realizing that it's really the best tool to use because you can build anything with Inventor, right? You can build right. a 47, a BMW, or a house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, it, 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 I know Autodesk doesn't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Revit is their biggest selling, you know, software. I'm sure Andrew is is like cringing probably if he hears this broadcast. But, you know, it's one of those things that they just have the, the best tool around them. And, and it's really in Europe, people are realizing that Katia and SolidWorks at Deso Systems is becoming the way you probably want to do AEC. Mm-hmm. So is happening. I think the same thing at Bentley. So the software manufacturers are realizing that you need a cradle-to-grave solution for building anything. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's just, you know, it just happened to happen that way um, because of some discussions that people thought Revit would be the answer. And really, it's a great tool, honestly, for the AEC community. It's gotten better. Lots Mm -hmm. of plugins for it. It's just not a great manufacturing tool. So that's the, I guess, I guess that's the big rub about Revit right now. And so people in the modular home business, the building business that we do, they, you know, they're looking for a better solution that doesn't require, you know, just a one, one, uh, one shot solution, basically like Inventor that can do everything for them. You know, they can send the, the files, uh, the CAD files to, uh, a robot or to a uh, 3D mm-hmm. machine to print concrete houses. You know, I mean, that's yeah. kind of what we've been been talking to people about. They want to know, well, how does this BIM model you gave us allow us to print this 3D house? And we said, well, it's the same thing when we put it on the 3D printer. <laughs> it's an STL file, basically. It, it may be a little different, but you know, that's what's happening in additive manufacturing. So, and, and and then with, you know, you could take this uh, conversation and diffusion and CAM and everything else, which right. we do in, in our industry right now. But that's really the solution is 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 thinking about what you want to make and then having the ability to to make it. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, I was going to ask you about the STSIC, but I'm going to leave that till later on because okay. we're having it. There's a great conversation just around the CAD side and and transitioning to 3D. So I want to ask you about, and I've been dying to ask you about your tagline, you know, 3D transition services. Um, Mm -hmm. I loved your tagline, moving into a virtual world of design and fabrication, which we're just touching on. Yeah. This was 2017, you started 3D transition services, yeah? Right. Um, What what happened was I wanted to retire and I always thought, you know, I wanted to be a consultant. And even Joey will tell you this, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was always saying, hey, listen, we need to go out and help our customers and, you know, bring Inventor to them and that kind of thing, because it's going to be helpful to them, helpful to us. And so we spent a lot of time really educating the utilities. And the great thing about Distran was, is Distran did work for everybody. Mm, so, right really one of the things we had to adapt to was the utility standards right so mm-hmm. AP's got their standards and Conez got theirs and Southern's got theirs and everybody's got their own standard right yeah and a lot of t- and a lot of times they're they're quite different 
So we had to adapt to that at this trend, but we got to see all the different things and different ways people build substations mm -hmm. and utilities build them. So it was an awesome place to be. And we had opportunity to talk to different utilities. And I think over time, they started really realizing that. In, in fact, very early on, we talked to power engineers about what we were doing. Okay. And they were and it's like, wow, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And look at power engineers. <laughs> <laughs> they took your advice. You know, it, it's, yeah, um, I, I, I was, uh, uh, I think I was in that meeting with them. But anyway, it was great. And, and so people were starting to see, you know, the benefits of 3D. And when you talk about the data management aspect of it and the information and the intelligence and everything that goes into Inventor, it just became, you know, really understood that this is the way to go. So I think that's why it's been embraced by some of these companies, Burns and McDonald, um, you know, Duke Energy, you know, the utilities that really use it, they see the value in it. And that's yeah. why they embrace it so much, but it's not an easy path. <laughs> that well, is it, the rub, you know, well, it's the been interesting. Utility. Yeah, it, you know, it's been interesting that the, uh, the charter changes that we made in the SDSIC this year, uh, Thanks to Audrey and Mark, you know, they, they went through and they really invited the engineering firms and services providers to join as co-chairs and kind of open that up. And as you just said, it's such a good perspective because they have to work with everybody. So, you know, when they talk about workflows and, you know, even working with Vault and everything, document management, they have to do with everyone. So they brought a yeah. terrific perspective. So folks like yourself, you know, being able to come in and say, well, hold on, you can't do that workflow that's specific to you know, AEP or Southern, we need to look at a broader, right. you know, set of tools or something. It, it's been absolutely great for that. Yeah. Yeah. And really most of the standards happen to be, I don't want to get off track here, but most of the standards have to be just th things like the way we make our steel or the way our hardware is, or the kind of switches we use. I mean, it's nothing really different. It's just really more of a content related thing. And mm -hmm. so you build the content, Hey, you're you're building AEP substations or or whoever, so it it really is a, a good way to um, it, if you have that opportunity and see other people's uh, ideas and things like that, that makes you a much better company. But what we did, what I decided I wanted to do is I, I like you know Joey said, listen, you know we got to build substations and you know Distran's known for their prefabricated designs for a prefabricated bus and prefabricated uh, jumpers at first and then we started getting into substations and then it's really turned into a big thing now because of inventor honestly i mean right. if we didn't have inventor we really couldn't have done what we what we ended up doing and i was just i, I enjoyed doing the work there but i i i felt like i wanted to be more of a teacher. I wanted to break out and do consulting and, and help people go from AutoCAD to the inventor. So I, so I retired in 2017, started my little business, you know, thinking, you know, okay, I'll get maybe one customer here or there. Um, I ended up getting other, actually other people other than utilities wanting, you know, <laughs> <laughs> with transitioning from uh, from from AutoCAD, so it kind of started there, and then um, a company, a company called Valmont Utility, who's a member of the uh, consortium, yeah. uh, really, you know, they were making steel all this time, and and they wanted to to really get more into substation work, and they had customers asking them to do it, 
And so they you know, call me up and say, hey, can you help us out trying to figure this out, you know, what we can do and what we can't do. And, and so, you know, I, I helped them and consulted for them for a few years. And actually, it's supposed to be just one year, but it ended up being almost five. <laughs> wow. But what happened really was that, you know, they had been using Inventor since 2006. Okay. They were just really modeling everything just to steal. And then they were just moving it into AutoCAD, you know, they're using the models to verify their AutoCAD, sort of a checking tool, honestly. So they weren't really mm-hmm. using it and really wanted to do, you know, do substation building. So that's, that's how we helped them. And okay. Uh, they really couldn't do the work. So uh, I had, uh, I hired some people and we decided that we would help them, you know, do some of their projects. I think we ended up doing like 20 or 30 uh, substitutions. So it was, it was, it was a lot, very interesting, but, you know, big companies and and big utilities are very hard to turn. It's like an ocean liner, you know, (laughs) they have procedures and they have systems and people and, you know, they, they have, they have people that say, "Hey, we don't we don't do it like this. We do it like this." So, right. turning that ocean liner is really challenging, and it can be frustrating too. But you know, you just keep plugging away, and you you um, you kind of hold their hand and show them the pitfalls, and and <laughs> make sure they don't fall off the you know fall off the the edge of the bridge that they're trying to go across. So that's really and and honestly, that's a rewarding part is seeing you know, people embrace the technology and then it, then um, taking advantage of it and it, it benefiting them. So so that's that's what we ended up doing. And then during the same course, uh, I decided I, I love the AEC community. I've always wanted to be an, I always want to be an architect for some odd reason. Okay. But builder, I was a fabricator. So that's, that's kind of uh, what we decided to do for AEC. Oh, wow. And you're doing, uh, you, I mean, you do a lot of scanning and you go from scan to models and all that kind of cool stuff too, right? Yes, the scanning started actually, trying to think now, I want to say it was about 2013 um, or so. Uh, We had been given some scans by utility, and they wanted us to help them renovate a substation. And I don't know, you know Chris Ducote. Chris was my boss at the time, and Chris... Chris was busy. He was doing all kinds of stuff. He was in charge of our department, our, the substation group we were in. And he said, listen, would you look at this and see if you can figure out how we can take this scan and put it in Venner? <laughs> I said, you're asking me that, Chris? I said, you're the smartest one in this company and you're asking me. <laughs> so he said, listen, I just don't have the time. I said, OK, no problem. Let me see what I can do. So anyway, it was like, I don't know, two to three weeks trying to figure this out. And so we finally figured out how to import a scan into Inventor. Mm. And uh, once we did, it opened up a huge world of possibilities that we didn't even really think of. Mm -hmm. So um, it helped us take these substations that they had. Um, We were able to use the scans. We had to be in and out of the substation in eight hours. They were eight hours outage windows. Mm to prefabricate everything, bring the module, uh, take out, you know, demo what was in. They were changing out some uh, breakers and uh, demo the old oil breakers that weighed 2,500 pounds a piece or whatever they were, <laughs> and then bring in the modules that we'd done, prefabricated bus, prefabricated jumpers. I mean, wow. it had to fit and you had eight hours to do it. And we did wow. several uh, substations for them. And 
that's when it, it became apparent to me that 3D scanning was going to become a big, a big player. And so now today it still is. Um, our company does a lot of that now. Mm. And uh, we do retrofits. I mean, we do things like boathouses that were destroyed by a hurricane. And oh, wow. Islands are still there, but maybe some aren't straight anymore. But we yeah. can tell you all that. We can prefabricate the, the docks, the boathouse, whatever we need. Um, yeah. We in the boats to make sure they fit in the boathouse. So when they pull them in, they can raise them up and the sky bridge isn't going to hit the top of the roof. <laughs> that an inventor. Um, we do aerial flood analysis where we scan the whole facility of an office building or whatever. And then we we um, use a work plane to go through it to show what happens when the water levels are high or low or whatever. So there are there are yeah. tons of applications for three D scanning, and uh, and we even you know we bought scanners. So that's the I guess when you decide to make that kind of investment decision, you pretty much <laughs> have to use the technology. And so uh, today it's the same thing. You know, the best thing you can do is scan a substation because you're going, most, most substations are old. They have no drawings, right? Uh, have been probably remodeled many, many times. Mm -hmm. You go to do something in a substation, it's energized usually easiest thing to do is scan that station and then you'll know where everything's at where the conduits coming out of the ground all the mm -hmm. things very important you know what size bolts you have i mean we can we the technology now is amazing so we 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 feel like you know that's the best approach to take and then you know make a bim model or an inventor model of that uh, it doesn't have to be the whole station, but just what you need, you know, to where you're going to do the work and you're going to do an add-on or something. Then later on, if you don't have the substation built, you know, you can have your people come in and fill in the parts of the station that you know you didn't do the work in. But you know, yeah. it's a great way to uh, to work now. No, that's awesome, and uh, yeah, you're so right. I, I mean, I find it. I'm absolutely fascinated lately by the point clouds and. Just the way how far the technology has come to be able to deal with these massive point clouds. I mean, five years ago it would choke every machine we put them in. <laughs> yep. Now we're yeah. So I've been doing a bunch of machine learning and being able to subsample the stations going down in in point sizes and things to get them a little bit smaller and manageable for CAD. But I, yeah. I just think you know I, I remember seeing that presentation from Distran when your team put together that sub. And I won't say the name of the utility, but you had the the scan. I didn't realize then you were using the scan and you were, you know, you, you pre-assembled it in the plant. You had it all lined up and then you disassembled and brought it on site and swapped mm -hmm. them all out. And I remember the hours, like it was unbelievable yeah. the short time you did that in. And I remember leaving, I was with David Milks at the time from Autodesk and we, we left that presentation and we went, wow, like, why isn't everyone not doing this? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, at the time it was pretty expensive. Yeah. Right. And you know it was a lot of money to do now that cost is nothing um mm. and you can almost do some things with your phone so <laughs> yeah that's true i remember the know, scanners were what 100 and remember the <laughs> was the faro or like like his scanners back then were what 180 or 160 or something mm -hmm. yeah um you know most good scanners terrestrial scanners today are in the 40 fifty thousand dollar range but okay. there's a lot of things you can do with an iphone or an ipad mm. so one of the things that's happening now, you know, like if we need content uh, for something, um, generally I'd rather just scan it and then build it from there. It's a lot easier. You can mm. measure 
bottle, um, depending on what tool you want to use and get a really good uh, a model that can be used in AutoCAD or AutoCAD or uh, Inventor. And that's the beauty of it. You can bring a point cloud into AutoCAD. You can bring it into Navisworks if you need to share it. Yeah. Um, and people can get a, a free version of Navisworks. So it's got a lot of capabilities now. And, and that's uh, what I think is um, kind of lacking a lot when people are trying to redo something. So architects are looking at it, you know, a little harder. I, it's harder for me to get their attention on a smaller scale, you know, smaller architects, they see the benefit, but they feel like it's too much work for them. But when you go to the larger architectural firms, they're using it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have their own group that does that. And, and when you, you place that with photogrammetry uh, yeah. and drones, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it basically changes a, the way a lot of companies do business today and uh, mm -hmm. don't have it. You really need to start using it or try to learn how to use it because it's just as important as something like Inventor in terms of data and collection and, and being able to use that data easily without having to pull a tape you know, in a substation. That's the <laughs> dangerous thing in the world. I use fiberglass, but still, you know, you can't measure, you know, while that thing's energized and nobody's going to shut it down so you can take measurements. So it's, you know, right. Well, and that's, that's it. I see that as one of the great uses of the scans as well, right? Having that scan on file for stations that are out in the middle of nowhere, not having to send a crew out there to take some pictures or measurements, yeah. just pull up the scan. And you, yeah, like you said, they're, mm -hmm. it's so much more yeah. accurate today, right? Yeah. We, we did a substation for utility and, and we did the low side of the substation and uh, we wanted to get all the measurements we needed so we could prefabricate the jumpers. And so, you know, once we put the substation, once we put the low side in, then you, you know where you're at in relation to the transformer uh, and where you're trying to hook up. So, um, but what happened was a scan collected the high side part of the yard. And what happened was, we we thought we wanted to do the high side. We want to at least do the prefabricated bus. So we put some structures in just to see, you know, and just just to put some bus in and everything. And the footing, the foundations for those high side structures was were way off. Mm. It was not. They were not happy people when they found that. <laughs> but had they not found it out, they would have had these structures up in the air, yeah. and they would, uh, you know, try to fit the bus in and. And all this kind of stuff. So, you know, it's it's amazing during the construction process how things go awry sometimes. And it's better to have that scan. That's a lot of people were doing scans during the process of scanning. Um, you know, mm -hmm. scanning for people who put in the slab, and we scan the framing so we know the where the plumbing is, and if the framing is off or it's out of level or whatever before that slab is poured. Mm -hmm. then itself is huge companies they tell me man it's a lot of a lot of things could have gone wrong we could have spent a lot of money having to redo things so um anything you want to do i don't care if you want to build a fence in your backyard knowing where things are is very important so having that ability to scan and now we can do it with iphones to to some some good quality actually so maybe not as good a detail and maybe you know, quarter inch, you know, uh, tolerance, but you know, you can get it close. So it, it's helpful. 
one and you know circling back it's a complete perfect example of why you want to use 3d right i mean it really is that justification for doing the assembly and the model in the first place you know i remember doing a couple of projects geez, 16 years ago and you know we're given a bunch of 2d we're given the, the two-dimensional drawing package right all the blueprints for the station and they wanted to model it in 3d yeah you know you get like a quarter of the way into it and nothing fits together in the model yeah. And so you realize the drawings were never updated. So you go back and they'd have to send someone out, take some measurements and feel, take pictures back then, you know, and it's just, yeah. it's so much work just to try to get an accurate representation. If you can overlay it on the point cloud, poof, yeah. job done. Absolutely. All right, Michael. So I'm, listen, I want to ask you because I, you've got such a long history with the SDSIC. So I really wanted to touch base on, you know, going back to your first involvement. I can't ever remember you not being involved in the SDSIC. Yeah, because it actually happened in 2015. Um, I did the AU presentation on uh, taking the leap from, from 2D to 3D. And I forgot who it was. I think it was Alan Saunders, but I, I don't remember. Somebody came to me after that um, after that class and suggested they were having the, the SDSIC meeting at, in, at AU that year. And he said, uh, I would like for you to sit in on that meeting. And I said, okay. So awesome. Alan, but anyway, yeah. uh, I said, okay. I, you know, he says, you know, you're not a utility and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, I said, yeah, I understand. It just, it'd be great to sit in because we use inventor. Right. <clears throat> so right, right. <laughs> we do substation, you know, we're on the, the manufacturing end at the time. And, and uh, so I sat in and, and uh, it was really interesting to sit in and, and, you know, I think at the time it was John Thomas who was the president and, you know, okay, Terry yeah. there, Terry Hummel and mm -hmm. a number of other people. And I think it, um, trying to remember all the names, I guess I'm getting old, but <laughs> <laughs> well, there was from Duke Energy. So it was great, actually. Um, and and I sat in on that. And it was at that point in time that I think there was, as you mentioned earlier, there was starting to be. Um, you know, people were thinking about, okay, how are we going to work with our vendors? Yes. Material suppliers, engineering firms, contractors, people like that. So I think it started, they started thinking about it. And I think that's really how it started. And, you know, I would just come to the meetings. I, I always told Joey, I thought it was a good thing to be involved in it. So mm. I, I think sometimes Chris would go and over, over, over the the years, we 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 felt like it was good to have a representative from the people who were you know basically their suppliers, and, and you know I think uh, and that was when um, Empirical I think started getting involved, and yeah. then the other you know Burns and McDonald and, and people like that, and and then you had Sefcor. Sefcor was a great uh, help because you know <laughs> yeah. we were using their fittings to do prefabricated bus, and we needed those models. Right. And um, Elizabeth and all the people there were great in, in getting us those models. I mean, that was one of the greatest things in the world when they were involved. Yeah. Uh, and then now you have, you know, people like uh, Southern States and, and uh, other vendors are now realizing how important it is to have the exact content. I mean, down to the, I mean, you don't have to have every little detail, but know all the clearances for equipment in a substation. And so having them as accurate as possible is, is very important, especially, when, you know, how they operate. So, right. um, 
it's it's been good to to have that and that's how i got involved and i've just been interested in it the whole time and when i when i uh retired you know from distran i, I felt like i wanted to still be involved in in the effort so that's that's been my uh so i've tried to make it to as many of them as i could and of course we had the pandemic and and unfortunately, I can't be there this year, but um, I definitely would like to in the future. I think it's a great, a great community, and it really helps uh, having, you know, everybody meeting everybody and learning how people do things and, and improving how they do them and uh, just getting support because uh, it's a difficult subject. It's one that among utilities, it's a hard thing. It's a hard mm -hmm. bite off, you know. So, and even really among suppliers, it's not that easy to do. So I think uh, the more support you have, the better off you are. Yeah. And I think we should uh, give Elizabeth and Erica at Cefcor a little shout out, let them, you can mm -hmm. find yeah, all their absolutely. models, right? You go to utilitycontent.com. They've got, I don't know, I think they're up to like 6,000 parts now. I think they have up there. <laughs> yeah. I know. Awesome. I think about it. I think about all the content now. You know, we have so much content that a lot of it, you know, we don't need anymore, but still, I mean, the the amount, and that's really what you need. I mean, the Revit community, everybody, it's all about content when you're doing 3D modeling. So right. to have that content, uh, all the manufacturers, you know, that's when I started doing the AEC end of this, it was amazing. I could go get a toilet. <laughs> Vanity. I Everything. could get a towel dispenser. <laughs> if I need to put a bathroom together and in five minutes I had that bathroom together, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's amazing. And this funny thing about it is, is that most of the people who make things made them with digital yeah. tools like inventor or SolidWorks or Creo PTC yep. or, or uh, Siemens NX. I mean, that's what they used for their modeling and design and, yeah. prototyping and everything and they have models as whether or not they want to give them to you and what and what they look like when you get them and if they work for you so the yeah, content it's just a matter of getting it so yeah i'm glad you brought that up that's a big shout out to all the vendors you know it's been it's been a big push and you know it's a credit to the sdsic because you know as a community voice to the vendors we have a lot we get a lot more action and reaction from the vendors than we do you know, when, when each utility is calling them separately and asking for models or even part of their procurement, right? It's, uh, you know, the vendors tell me, listen, each utility wants a separate way. You know, they want a different level of detail or asking for different things to be put in the model. It's like, we just can't manage it all. Right. But if we can get a hundred SDSIC utility companies <laughs> to say, yeah. here's the level of detail we want from the vendor. Here's the orientation, all that kind of good stuff mm -hmm. we need in models. It's a lot easier for everybody. Sure. Yes. So, yeah. Thank and you really, for bringing that up. That's a great point for the uh, SDSIC. Yeah, and really on the part making side of this, it is a different aspect of inventor. It's totally different. Mm. People don't know. People don't realize this when they're getting into using the technology because most people are using it, as I mentioned before, for assembly. But making parts is a lot more difficult than it looks, and making them accurately. And there's there's tons of ways to approach a part. Uh, some of the parts we've been making for some companies, small parts, you know, they we scan the parts and then we bring them in and we try to recreate them. I'm telling you, it's not an easy thing to do because right. they want STL files so that they can send it to a foundry and have it cast. And it's got angles and curves and it's like a car, right? right. So it's 
not an easy thing to accomplish. And, and, you know, kudos to people who build parts because that is one of the most difficult parts about uh, building a building a substation is getting your parts together and making sure they're right and and that type of thing. So uh, big, a big part, a big piece of this for people who are getting into this, you need to have parts makers mm-hmm. and not that they, that's all they do, but they, you know, they need to learn how to do everything in an inventor, but the parts makers are the ones that you need uh, to really keep things going. Ah, good advice. Yeah, no, and it's funny because it's the AEC industry. It's always our point of reference for content, right? It's like, if you look at Revit and all the content libraries, as you said, you can get a toilet, a vanity, you know, whatever. They've been mm-hmm. doing it for forever, yep. but they do have a very, you know, consistent way of working, right? It's the, the BIM level of details and things. They they nailed that yes. stuff 25 years ago. And that's a big push right. for, you know, the physical committee, even the electrical committee, right? The PNC side, mm-hmm. everybody wants yep. a different symbol. <laughs> You end up with a whole symbol library for each utility. It's it's pretty painful for anybody Mm -hmm. trying to deliver, right? So yeah, Yeah. it's great reference to the AEC. Yeah, and that's when you set up your templates in Inventor. So you know you have a template for for AEP or you have a template for whoever. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the that's the best way to do that, right? You have a, a group of parts for that customer. You have all of their standards. Uh, and that takes some time to set up, but it really is beneficial if you're going to do work for them. So from a, a, a supplier standpoint, that is, that's the best way to, to, uh, to set up things. Uh, that's awesome. I was going to ask you at the end for advice to the folks out there just getting started with the SDSIC. I think you just nailed it, but <laughs> you got any, you know, any recommendations for maybe I'm thinking like some new folks, like I saw in, in Kansas city. A lot of mm-hmm. folks coming in for the first time, they're looking yeah. at six different committees now, you know, yeah. how would you recommend, or, you know, if they were going for the first time, they're showing up in Nashville, what, what would yeah. you recommend? Well, you know, I've always been on the physical side of the substation, not, you know, we deal with the electrical side because we have to know things like how to space things and, and, mm. you know, Corona uh, issues, but you know, the electrical side is the part that really needs the, you know, needs the work. And I think um, I'm hoping to see the electromechanical aspect of Inventor really take off in the future. That, you know, it's there. It's built into the system. People use it to build the cars with. BMW uses it. So it's it's there. We just haven't really crossed that bridge, unfortunately, yet. But Starting out, you know, you pick the low-hanging fruit, and it's just like we did at Distran early on. What was our biggest problem? Well, we had steel models that did not represent on paper what they really looked like when they were built, because a <laughs> 40-foot column cannot be put on a 24 by 36 sheet and make it look correct. So, you know, you have to... The things that are the biggest pain points in your business are the ones you're trying to solve, but you got to bite it off a little bit at a time and try to determine what's the best path. So the planning for me anyway, and for our companies has been very, very important. You know, where are we going to go? How are we going to tackle this? And so on. And just preparation, I guess, would be the biggest thing. And then, you know, don't be afraid of the technology you definitely need to embrace it it's getting better and and autodesk has now made interoperability anyway 
uh, a lot easier between their different offerings. Now, when you come to other manufacturers like or other uh, suppliers like um, you know SolidWorks, uh, Daso Systems, or or uh, Pro E, not Pro E, but Creo, <coughs> PTC Creo. They're trying to do the same thing. So all the software vendors realize that there needs to be interoperability between the, the software offerings. It's just a matter of deciding which one you want to use and which which road to take. You know, a lot of companies already have some type of software. You know, you may have MicroStation or AutoCAD. You know, that's one of those things that you have to try to decide how you're going to go. And it's not an easy decision sometimes, but now again, you can open up a DGN file in AutoCAD. <laughs> right. It's not as difficult as it used to be. And that's the, I think the beauty of things is that the suppliers, especially software suppliers have realized that. Man, that's so true. I, you know, I, I'm actually a pro E guy from back in the late nineties. I used to program and build the add-ons for pro engineer, all the PTC yeah. tools. Back then it didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> like if, if you had a pro, you had to go step or ASUS, and even then, I think you had to buy a module to export to ASUS. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good point. No, that's great. And you know, somebody had mentioned this on the podcast that uh, the kind of the interoperability between equipment. It's also the same at the consortium, really, to have folks from the physical group go over and, and attend one of the electrical committees, or go and attend, mm -hmm. you know, technology or civil, and kind of try to mix it up a little bit and you know, you might realize you might be able to help different departments when you get back to yes. work, you know, because I've seen that and somebody mentioned it on the podcast, maybe it was Mark Nelson. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's nice to see a physical guy sitting in the electrical room. Go, oh, that's what you're doing. Oh, right. I'll give you that in the file. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that is, it's the big picture thing, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Man. <laughs> you need to, uh, and, you know, the tools we have are awesome, right? We we use a very small part of what they really can do. Right. The biggest thing that I realize, um, you know, we do finite element analysis with it on with some parts and things for customers. Nice. It's, you know, it's not a tool I ever really used, but it's amazing what you can do with it. So, hmm. All the little things you can build machines with inventor you can you, you can do simulations you know animations which is one of the things i love to do yeah to animations when i was at distran and they were just you know we would do it just to try to sell a concept to a customer and it, it's amazing how just being able to see how things go together makes a huge difference for somebody uh as far as making a decision so um, uh, Inventor Studio, man, is the way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you no, want that's to right. Down and dirty animation. Yep. <clears throat> so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I try to use you know a frame generator. I mean, when we mm. we frame up a a house or a boathouse or whatever, we have a three D sketch and we we uh, we put two by sixes and two by four. <laughs> They're automatically trimmed and then they come out and we send them. You know, we create a, um, uh, a 3D uh, view of it and a link and send it to the send it to the field and they cut it right there. We had people that couldn't didn't know how to cut a compound angle on a rafter. And 3D printed the sleeve that they needed to go around the rafter so they could just run a pencil around it and cut it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I mean, and they look at us like, what the heck? You know, so... 
What black but, magic you know, is this? That's the kind of people who are out there today trying to build things. They really don't know. A lot of them are young. They don't understand what they're doing. And so it, it's a challenge for sure in getting things built. So a lot yeah. of technology helps to helps to do that. And that was, you know, knowing electrical, knowing uh, civil foundation work, mm. making rebar cages, all that kind of stuff understanding things like uh, helical piles i just sat in on a burns and mac uh you know i always thought helical piles was really to our industry i i they were introduced to us at, at this trend back in like 20 2010 or 2011 they were using them in in uh, refineries all you have to do is ah. look at refinery look at look at the oil and gas business from a refinery standpoint hmm. It's amazing what they've done. You know, it's all prefabricated. It's all modules now. Mm. Very rarely do things on site. You know, they just it's all assembly on site. So <laughs> modular, <laughs> I don't want to toot my modular horn, but it is the answer to a lot of problems. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I think uh, the people that are doing it uh, have shown that and, and it, it continues to be the the, the wave of the future. There's not enough people and there's the capabilities on site are getting worse every year. So the yeah. more this plug and play, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, there you go. Well, that, and you heard it from the man himself. I mean, all of this technology is a lot easier than selling equipment to the oil rig guys. That's got to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> that that yeah. sounds like one of the tougher jobs I've heard so far. <laughs> yeah. It was, and you know, back then um, we didn't have all this, right? Yeah, so that's right. It, the engineering offices were staffed with hundreds of people, mm. you know, with pencils <laughs> in their hand. Yeah, and uh, yeah, smoke, smoking cigarettes and <laughs> smoking cigarettes. Oh Lord, it was something. <laughs> That's great, Mike. So let's talk about, uh, you know, things you see coming in the future. I know you and I had talked early on. We tried a little project with AR. Um, I think we're both big believers in trying to get rid of some of those dimensional drawings. And, you know, to me, the whole metaverse and everything, to me, it's all about AR. But I, and I know you're a big proponent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and over the past, I guess, five or six years, uh, maybe it's longer than that, maybe maybe seven uh, one of the things that Inventor offers us is the ability to export or really share. It's a collaboration tool for a viewer, similar to the Forge viewer some people may have used. Um, it's basically an Inventor viewer. Right. We, we use model-based definition, which is really just 3D annotations that are available in Inventor. Most people may not know, of, know about it, mm -hmm. but 3D annotations to dimension and to tag and like if you want to take a, I don't know, you, you could take a, a column or something like that and you want to dimension it, uh, do whole dimensions, all that kind of stuff. Well, what you do in the drawing environment, you can do now just in the model environment. And what we what we 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 tried it for a while to see if it would work and ended up working really well. So instead of creating drawings, we send out these links. It creates a link um, when you export the view. And is essentially just a link that anybody can pull up on their phone or computer or whatever they want. And we were, we've been uh, working with it in the shop where we have big computer screens 
and we're able to pull up an assembly or whatever. We have the bill of material there. Uh, we can zoom in on a particular part and find out what size bolt that is, what size right. wire. You know? So it's a great information tool and easy to do without having to create a lot of detailed drawings and details from it. So you take the whole model or a piece of it or whatever you want and it's this tool. So what, what it lends itself to is the ability to use augmented reality or mixed reality um, to do the same thing. The only thing is instead of putting it up on your computer screen in the shop or a tablet on your, that you're uh, carrying, you have it in basically a viewer in, in goggles and, and the Microsoft HoloLens is the one that comes to mind. There's other offerings mm -hmm. out that are, have been uh, people have been working on, but this is really where it's going. Actually. So instead of you having a drawing with you, you're going to have all this information really at your fingertip and in a viewer that's easy where you can, you know, your hands free, you can use both hands and you can do your work a lot quicker and more productive. So mm -hmm. what I see coming, um, we do it with VR somewhat. Now we can, uh, walk through a substation. We can see where things are. So stakeholders and people who are, you know, constructing the station can see what to expect in advance. So that's where 3D modeling or the BIM model really comes into a huge benefit for a lot of people. And I, that's for me um, the way it's going. You know, we did try the Hololens, and the only problem we had with it was was that we didn't have as much peripheral. We didn't have any really peripheral vision. Right. A bit of a problem because we, we really had to have a spotter. So you need two people. The person had to spot for the one using the hollow lens. It worked great for them, but it was just having that extra person and the safety issue. So I think, you know, it's going to change, you know, hopefully that those glasses yeah. are going to get easier to use. And that's, that's really the, the thing that's really holding us back, honestly, in a lot of industries, it's not just ours, but a lot of manufacturing industries are, um, are seeing this as the, the where we're going to go in the future. So we're going to pretty much go to a paperless approach, even though you can still take these model-based views mm -hmm. and, and you can put them on paper. You can put the model on paper and just there's there, if you just scroll in your, um, uh, maybe I'll do a YouTube video or something on it, but you can just scroll down and you can find the 3D annotations in there and click on it and they all show up on your screen. Yeah. <laughs> Or show up on the page. So you didn't really have to dimension it twice. It's all you dimension it once and then you decide, ah, I need a PDF or I need a paper version of this. Well, you can do it quite easily. Ah, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, you should do a YouTube. I think we have a I think the physical group has a YouTube channel going. You could probably put it on there. Yes, have the I have seen it. Uh, yeah, yeah, Josh has done a really good job. I have to commend him. Uh, yeah, he does a great job. He he's just amazing in terms of what, the things he knows and the things he thinks about <laughs> and all the innovations, you know, that he's put together. Uh, and there's a lot of us, I mean, Chris Ducote, I mentioned him, I yeah. mean, Kelby, all these people who are great. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great distran people out there, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. to toot my horn or anything, but we, we actually had a good group of people and they still do, unfortunately. Yeah. Power took a lot of them, but, <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. and and SBS took the others, but they they still do. I mean, it's it's a it's a virtual, um, you know, incubator, yeah, for, uh, forward substation thinking, if you will.
when Steve Kaufman, I think Steve Kaufman puts a lot of stuff out there on the YouTube channel for them and everything. Mm -hmm. but, and, you know, you and I had tried, I, I kind of compared the mixed reality stuff and you had provided me with one of the models with all the model based dimensions and everything. And I ran it through the hollow lens and yeah, much like yeah. you said, right. It's, it's very, very narrow view. It was very hard to see in the daylight as well. Right. Yes. It kind of gets so washed out. Couldn't see it, but you know, we talked about it before. I kind of compare it to where CAD was, as we discussed back in the day, you couldn't take a pro E model and move it to this or that. It's kind of going away a lot quicker on the mixed reality side. I find it evolving so fast because yes. part of the problem was moving it from inventor to unity to unreal engine, all that kind of stuff that we had, you know, each yes. one of those loses something in the file types that they don't share, but it yep, seems to be changing quick, right? That is the key to it is moving that model into that environment for sure. We have, yeah. you know, I'm not a, I'm not a C sharp, double sharp Q programmer. <laughs> so I'm a boomer, right? So it's even worse. That's right. I'm a coder uh, yeah. by nature. I can't get it to work. So it's fine. <laughs> it's not you. <laughs> but yes, that is the key. These, these, these kids need to get on it and figure out that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Help how that's going to work because it is a big gap right now, but it is the future for sure. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And if, uh, if all the folks listening haven't, they don't know what we're hell we're talking about. Um, I, I would say you go on Google earth now and you do those pins and you walk around from a point of view of the Google earth side, you walk down the street when you see all those little icons in front of stores and everything, that's your, that's a little image of what's coming. And when the glasses are smaller and we could all wear them like a mobile device, yeah, it, it's coming. I, you know that Charlie Fink is the Forbes kind of futurist. He had a great mm -hmm. saying. He said, sooner or later, the entire world will be painted with data. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know what the problem is? Uh, it's Apple. <laughs> we have been waiting for them because when they put it out, it's probably going to be, it's probably going to be the answer, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so if Apple comes out with a solution, then I think we're close. It yeah. might be expensive at first, but um, it, I can, there's tons of productivity benefits. And of course, like you said, you got to be able to see it out when the sun's shining and yeah, that's a little tougher to do, but uh, that is the, that's the goal. I mean, right now we're sending the geometry of the job site to the excavator. Mm. And, you know, CAT now has bolt-on um, GPS systems that drive these tractors and they are, you know, we're farming with it. Um, mm. <laughs> as long as you know where you're at in 3D space, we can tell a machine where it's got to go. So that's, you know, that, that that and having the ability to see the the model or your design or whatever in 3D um not built yet is is also those two are kind of going going hand in hand and then bringing in the 3D scan part of it because that's how we're going to really build models is with those point clouds uh we're building an actual model instead of one that's um hmm. the way we designed it so if your slab is out of plumb by half an inch over 20 feet and you go to uh, set the, you go to, to 3D print your concrete wall on that slab, it's going to know that it's going to have to give you a little bit more, uh, it has to be level when it gets done printing. So 
all those it's all connected it's all interconnected now and it's it's becoming it's scary in my from my perspective because i've seen a lot of things in my life but uh you know the people who are playing video games and all that yeah <laughs> they they kind of been living it just in a, a virtual reality instead of uh, an augmented one so but it's coming yeah yeah there you go man oh great we advice, didn't even buddy. mention and we didn't even mention chat gpt no, thank God. Once for one conversation. <laughs> I can't go anywhere on LinkedIn and not see it now. <laughs> or AI. Yeah. I have to put AI in my list of things I do now or people aren't going to want to talk. <laughs> it's kind of like when the whole dot com came along, right? We had to be a dot com. <laughs> well, hey, I really appreciate it, Michael. And that, you know, you're, you're, you're really active in the community. You know, we all love when you're involved and you're posting things and I'd love to see some YouTube videos, man. So keep up the great Yeah, work. I think I'll do that. I have some time. Uh, I have a little, a little more time this year, so I might do some of that. I think it'd be helpful uh, to some people. Yeah, I think it would too, man. We, we, uh, I think we'd all appreciate it. I think there's a lot of folks out there that could benefit from that. So please don't retire again. Okay. <laughs> well you know the problem in the past is is you have you know companies you know are competitive so they really don't want to give out some of their secrets and things like that and i can understand that but mm -hmm. you also at the same time have to progress so it's it's a it's a it's a tight you know a line you have to walk a little bit but it's just really finding the little screws to turn i mean honestly that's all it is is wow i opened this up and I mean, we used to talk about that, you know, okay, what's the inventor tip of the week that we discovered right? Uh, know about, right? I mean, every company that probably goes on among the users, especially, hey, look what I found. Well, you know, it's, it's like I used to say, inventor is basically a round room with 20 doors. And every time you open a door, you're opening it to another round room with another <laughs> And then you open that. And so it, it, that's, that's inventor. Uh, ah. So <laughs> which well, door to open and know where you're at when you're in that room related to all the other rooms and all the other doors. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Great advice, Michael. Hey, thanks for joining me today, man. That was awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Power Up Podcast today. If you enjoyed this conversation and you're not yet a member of the SDSIC, join for free at sdsconsortium.com. Be part of the community and all these great conversations. And maybe you'll be the next guest on the Power Up Podcast. <laughs>